podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up. I am RJ. I am thrilled to be joined by two of the greatest professional wrestling referees of all time from the slightly thawed out Great White North, Mr. Jimmy Corderas. And from the always very balmy South States, Mr. Brian Hebner. Jimmy, how you doing, man? Like you said, we're thought out here. It's very wet, but hey, I'll take it. It's, One way or it's another. Not, everything's getting green. Let's put it that way. And we have a cherry tree in our yard that's really blossoming nicely. I mean, yeah. it looks cool. Yeah. Well, it's not always balmy here, uh, but it is. Um, <laughs> considering where you guys live, I guess it is always balmy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have a cherry bush or any of that stuff either. I've uh, got a few petals of grass around here and, uh, um, uh, my, my, my dog's out here raising hell. So hopefully that, that won't interfere with our podcast today. But, uh, seriously though, I am very excited about today's podcast. We're going to bring on a old school guy. We're in the old school mode. This is our second week with some old school stuff, which I'm absolutely digging. And, uh, we're going to bring on Danny Davis and, for those of you who don't know a lot about him, you will after the show. At Third Ends, you will know quite a bit about Danny Davis, and he will also be joining the show, too, as well. So very excited about this, RJ. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah, definitely been looking forward to this since you, since you announced this to both Jimmy and I, Brian. Uh, somebody that, you know, Jimmy, you worked with him a little bit in uh, mm -hmm. early days when you started with the company, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I... Uh, uh, both uh, a little bit as a referee, but uh, uh, mostly later on when he joined the ranks of the Hart Foundation. Yes. Yeah. What are we? Yeah, jumping so, off, what are we jumping off the format sheet? We can count one already. What are we no, doing? No, no. I just had a, had a thought in my head. I figured just I don't get very many thoughts in my head, guys. So usually when I have one, <laughs> boom, I want to get rid of it before uh, before anyway. it go before it goes away on its own. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, like I said, not that very many, but. Uh, why don't we send it up to the first count? We already dug, I already dug myself too far into the hole. So let's go to our first count. This is your one count. Our first count is back here. And this past weekend in Chicago was the impact tapings. Uh, we saw the debut of Trinity Fatu, AKA Naomi, uh, formerly of uh, WWE. Guys, I think. You know, there was scuttlebutt. Okay, she's gonna go to New Japan. She's gonna go to AEW. She's going back to WWE. I, I think she found the right place with Impact. Brian, you were there for a long time. Um, how do you think Trinity is going to fit with the uh, Knockouts division there in Impact? I think she's gonna fit marvelously. Um, I really think that Impact has one of the finest um, women's wrestling division right now. I really do, and I think that. Impact is actually stepping up here the last, I don't know, say six to 12 months where you get some free agents going there that just 
are amazing. They're, they're just not, you know, going to your bigger companies, which I think is phenomenal. And that, that shows what impact is actually being able to do right now. So I think she'll work tremendously there. I, I don't know the terms of her deal. I don't know how long she'll be there. I don't know if she's on a per, you know, appearance deal. I don't know if she's on a, just a short three month contract, which impact is known to give these three month you know contracts. It's kind of like a feeling out stage, but as long as she's there, I think that it's going to be very good for her. And I think it's going to be very good for impact wrestling. I'm actually really excited Thursday to see how they take this on and how, how this is all handled. Pretty exciting. Yeah. You know, and, and Jimmy, just being, I know, I know impact tends to be a predominant, you know, a Canadian promotion because of, you know, with Scott DeMore in charge, um, being up in the Toronto area, are you hearing a lot of impact from impact? Well, the, the, you know, it's, it's a different kind of TV deal, deal up here because they're on the fight network. And of course, mm-hmm. Uh, post lot, uh, you know, the air on Thursday nights in the U S and on, and on the fight network, but it also airs on other stations up here as well after the fact, like on Saturday afternoons and that sort of stuff. So, um, right now up here in Canada, it's more of a hardcore thing. It's kind of like a hardcore audience that tunes into impact. Um, mainly because it, their, t- their TV show is not as easily accessible. It's on a pay channel, basically. You know, you have to subscribe to the Fight Network to get it and all that kind of stuff. But that being said, their product has been really good. Like Brian said, they, they've really stepped up. Uh, for those who haven't watched it, they should start watching it because they are doing a fantastic job. And you talk about the women's division, Brian, you said how, how really good it is. It is really good. And I think, and this is... I, Again, people are going to say, oh, here he is taking a shot at AEW again. No, it's just that the women's division, AEW, although they have some talented women there, they don't give them opportunities, if you know what I mean. They just throw them out there because they have women. And it's usually on Wednesday nights right before the main event. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's it's 9.20, 9.30, we got to put a women's match out there. Kind of thing. That's how it feels like. It's it's kind of too, a little too random. Whereas uh, Naomi's, or Trinity, let's put it <laughs> will be able to display her talents in a very talented women's division in impact wrestling. And like, like you said, they, they are doing it right over there. It's just a matter of getting it in front of more eyes where yes, the hardcore fan is very, very well aware of it, but you need to get more eyes on the product. And that's, that's the goal. And you can use their, their women's division to help do that. Yeah. What's really strange, what you said, Jimmy, um, about the Canadian thing, uh, as far as the TV networking and all that stuff, they did that, uh, that pay-per-view up there in Canada. And, mm-hmm. you know, looking at that crowd, that's probably been one of their larger crowds for their pay-per-views, uh, in the United States that they've done. I mean, so there are people watching it or either they did a great job of marketing. I don't know which it is, but I just tell you, I mean, there, there's people watching it because they had a great, great crowd. I saw lots of shots that were sent to me by some coworkers. And I also want to put out and put over one of my, really good friends to help contribute to this great women's division is Gail Kim, who works really hard and really, really cares a lot. You should have heard the car rides with me and her when we would leave a, a, a taping. Good Lord, the passion that comes out of her mouth when we're riding, sometimes it's overwhelming. I'm like, Jesus, Gail, calm the fuck down. We're, the show's <laughs> over. Uh, it's over, Gail. It's over. Yeah, but but you know what? I appreciate that. I really do. I will, I, you know, no knock on her. That's really, I'm putting her over really. All I'm saying is her passion is just gleaming and it, it doesn't stop once the arena is closed up and she, and she's gone. Believe me, trust me. I was in the car. It doesn't stop. <laughs> well, I, I will say this. Gail's been on the show a couple of times and 
the passion, if you want to go back and listen to a couple of those episodes, you will hear that passion, even just over audio, um, that passion for the business that she has. And it's definitely, um, it, it goes over to the women in that uh, division. Um, but something else that got over last week was our very own Mr. Brian Habner making an appearance on Boston Open Radio with Dave LaGreca, Tommy Dreamer, and Bully Ray. Man, I I don't think there's enough time in the day, Brian, for you to go on that show because I could even hear it because I was listening live, and I'm sure Jimmy was too, but mm-hmm. um, you could just hear the – you want to talk about passion? When you talk about refereeing, I, I will put – Brian and you, Jimmy, over everybody else. Maybe even put Kyoto in the same aspect of the passion that they've had, they have for the business. And you could tell it on that episode of uh, Bust well, Open. Well, here was the thing. Bully even had to cut me off. They even put a clock up on my uh, screen to tell me to basically shut up. Uh, <laughs> oh, so that's what I have to do. Ah. Well, no, no, no this, this, is, this is my show. I'm going to talk to him. I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wait, I got, here we go. Clock on. <laughs> no, they, they really did. They had this little uh, counter down in the bottom right. left hand screen and it said five minutes. And I was like, oh, I'm fine. I kept on ranting going on. Yeah. And uh, then we gave to two minutes and then Bully just basically cuts me off and goes, okay, last comment. Go ahead, Brian. Like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> At least you didn't have Yate in there putting the pencil in the mouth or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that, I probably responded better to that. But, yeah. but Honestly, I love going on that show, and and the reason why I do is because it's it's a real show. They they want you to show your real emotions. They want the truth. They want you to say the truth. And by God, that's what I gave them, um, and that's what I thought, you know. And uh, I haven't heard anything negative about it, so I guess it was okay. I heard a lot of positives, and that's a good thing, you know what I mean? So, and both of you guys sent me some feedback that was positive. So I appreciate your thoughts and kind of give two shits about others, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I'll do it anytime they ever want me to. And, um, you know, hopefully they said that they were looking to put me and Jimmy on there at some point, Jimmy, maybe by self, maybe me by myself, maybe, but I don't no idea, but it's Jimmy was brought up, which is fantastic. And they, they love the concept as we talked about prior to hitting the record button was they love the concept of the old school referee and the newer school referee, which I don't think I'm newer school, but you know what I'm saying? He has a, the, the past history where it makes him my Whatever y'all get it, y'all stop joking. Yeah, yours, <laughs> yours is a little. You you come a little more recent, at least. Anyways, let's put it that way. <laughs> so you do have the you do have the old school, but you you, you came into the new school. <laughs> exactly. Yep. There you go. So that, so that's basically a nice way of Brian telling you that you're old, Jimmy. That's a nice way of saying it. Is that's yeah, how I gather it. it. Hey, I'll take it. It's that, great. Hey, yeah, I, I know if. <laughs> If it means, like I said, getting you two on there, I don't think there's, like I said, there's not enough time in the day for Busted Open for the two of you to get on there and talk, and talk shop with uh, whomever mm-hmm. they may be on there. It would be Tommy and uh, Bully or Mark or whomever. Uh, yeah. But something I wanted to get on before we bring uh, Danny on in a little bit is I want to talk about the, I'm not going to say that word, Brian, the uh, the selection committee with the WWE uh, screw it. The draft uh, of mm-hmm. from last week. Um, I, I will point out though, and you, everybody's seen the list. Everybody knows who knows who went where I w- would like to get your guys thoughts on the impact of NXT in this draft. We had the tag team champ women's tag team champions going to SmackDown being Alba fire and Ilza Dawn. 
We've had um, Indy Hartwell, who is the women's champion, going to Raw. JD McDonough going to Raw, uh, as well as I believe Zoe Starks, who is by far, I think, the best women's wrestler currently. Uh, very passionate about the business. Um, but with that being said, guys, what do you think about, about these pe- moving pieces, we should say? Uh, Jimmy, what do you think? No, it's good moving pieces. And, and you know, you talk about, you know, making it feel almost like, I hate to use this term, like graduation to the main roster, you know, and and it does bolster that women's division big time, you know, because you do have a Raw women's champion, a SmackDown women's champion, whoever it's going to be by the time this is all said and done because of all the, the back and forth with the with the drafting. But at the same time, they have just bolstered their women's division. It's just a matter of finding time to tell stories with them on television, as opposed to just let's putting them out there just to put them out there. So that people see them, you want to see them in the right circumstances as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, I'm still confused by this whole draft shit. Um, <laughs> no, it's understandable. I, I really am. Um, I don't know. I understand a shakeup, I guess, because you can, you know, ultimately put, talent that's not being used as much and elevate them and put them in different programs. I mean, I get the idea. I get the idea. Don't get me wrong. I was more intrigued by the people in NXT being truly drafted up to the roster. So basically from college to pro that's that, that, that excites me. That makes me think of a draft. I would be more susceptible to liking it if it was done that way, using more of the NXT people or whatever. And then I hear people complaining about the splitting of Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. Okay, that is so stupid to complain about. So if you're a general manager for SmackDown and you have the number one pick, you choose Roman Reigns. Get it. You're raw and you choose the next guy and you don't choose Cody Rhodes? That doesn't make sense. It makes total sense. Not only that, but as Jimmy said last week and on his refing rant, Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of weeks ago about the, the the gimmick they gave away backstage where the belt was going. Remember that, Jimmy? The mm-hmm. the the guy who was supposedly had never heard about it came in the building or whatever it was. I, I don't can't remember because mm-hmm. so long ago I have that CRS. Can't remember. <laughs> uh, but but no, I'm saying, what did everybody think? I mean, come on, really? You you, you got to have the two biggest guys right now in the in the moment be on each brand. I mean, it's inevitable. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but it's just I don't like talking about it. I just I just don't understand it. Well, to piggyback off what you said, Brian, though, I think. You know, they split them up. Granted, if they really want to put them back together, they're going to put them back together. They're not going to give a crap mm-hmm. about the split. Um, and it, and that goes for really anybody, to be honest with you. A year later, it, a, year, a year later, you will. A year later. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 But it's 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 this is long term storytelling. Now you know, uh, you put you put the idea in, in Cody's head. He got drafted over to the other brand before he got the job done. It's the everybody's talking about the hard time storyline. He has to face challenges to do what he wants to do and eventually get there. And we've heard the crowd reaction for Cody since after WrestleMania. It hasn't died down. Mm-mm. He's still over big time. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of telling that story and and getting him back him and Roman back together in the ring against one another again. And it could happen further down the road. That's all. And and you're both right. I'm not arguing the fact. What I'm saying is I don't understand how people don't understand that. That's my point. Like, in other words, what do they think was going to happen? They're going to put them back together? People want everything now. 
There you go. That was just, you read my mind, Jimmy. I was just going to say that you read my mind. <laughs> um, well, see, you, you see what's going to happen. I can tell you right now what's going to happen. And I and I heard this. This is not me coming up with this. Uh, this is from the the great Mark Henry that I heard this from. And I'm going to be honest with you. He's exactly right. WrestleMania is in Philadelphia. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Next year, sure. correct? Yes. Yeah. Here is in Philadelphia. I hate that fact, and I'll tell you why. Because Philadelphia tries to control what they want to control. In other words, they do a really good job of cheering who you're not supposed to cheer and doing little nuances that they want to do to make things about them. The fans want to take over the show. And I'll guarantee you, not because he deserves it, but I guarantee you if it's a Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes, they will turn so fucking quick on Cody Rhodes in Philadelphia and cheer Roman Reigns. And if you don't know, mark it down right now. But I guarantee that happens in Philadelphia. Guarantee. If anywhere else, they wouldn't do it. But in Philadelphia, they will. You watch and see what I tell you. That's what I don't like about it being in Philadelphia and waiting that long to put that together is the only reason, because it's in Philadelphia. Put it somewhere else, it wouldn't happen that way. But that's just my belief. Interesting. Well, you heard that first. Episode 57 of Reffing It Up, Brian Hebner predicts the main event for WrestleMania 40. But something else that we are going to predict is our ref and review for this week. This is ref and review. Last week, I hate doing this. Actually, not not really, because I like pointing out the obvious, but AEW Dynamite had a couple points that I wanted to bring up to both of you. Uh, Jimmy, you briefly touched mm-hmm. on this on your ref and review throughout the weeks. Excuse me, throughout last week was first and foremost the uh, refereeing during the Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara match where Darby goes through the table, but yet he does, they don't DQ. It was just a whole, right. it was a cluster. Uh, yeah. And you, and you talked about this on your reference review um, mm-hmm. on online too. But Jimmy, I, what did you think of this? This wasn't just, it wasn't kosher, I think, to me. No, I, I, to me, it bothers me because look, for those who don't understand why that should have been a DQ, it's because the table was pulled out by Bandito. It wasn't like the announce table that's already placed it, that's already there. And people say, well, when they put people through the announce table, that's part of the set. When you throw someone into the stairs, it's part of the set. But if you pick up the stairs and ram them with the stairs, that's yeah, a DQ. That's, yeah. If you pull out a table and put someone through it, that's a DQ. If the chair is there and you throw you throw him into the chair, that's different. But if you take a chair and hit him with it, that's a DQ. But then later on in the show, they do a DQ finish with Darby Allen, with Darby and thing, and and it was on the assumption that he hit him mm-hmm. with the skateboard. It was like the old Eddie finish. Uh, the referee yeah. didn't see it and they DQ'd him anyway. So wait a minute, you see something happen in front of your eyes that's a DQ. You don't call it because it's referee's discretion. Yeah. Uh, which is a term now that is just should have a hashtag beside it. Lazy booking. As I said on busted open radio, talking about the AEW refs and by the way, by God, thank God AEW is in business because we have a ref and review segment every week because of them. And that's great. Thank you. AEW. <laughs> but you know, it's like no one cares that they screw up. It's like no one wants to go over this shit with them. And you see it over and over and over again. So, for example, I'm going to bring this example up. I had said on Busted Open Radio 
which, by the way, Busted Open Radio comes on Monday through Saturday from 9 to 12 on Sirius Radio 152, by the way. Um, catch it every week, every day. But anyway, um, but the thing is, like impact, I'll see mistakes. And when I go back and watch, I see those mistakes taken care of. Do you know what I mean? So it's, they're growing their referees. You can see it. I don't see that with AEW at all. And that's the problem I have. I don't have a problem with mistakes. We all make them, mm-hmm. but they're not fixing them. They're not going over them with them or either. No one gives two craps what they do or what they don't do. It's just obvious to me. I mean, it's, it, and then you got, and, and Aubrey, I swear I do like you, honey. I really do. But you bowing up on people and pushing them around, man, it, 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 you, you, you no one's paying tip money to see you, honey. I promise you. No one's ever going to see money to see you. I promise. I don't care what program if you ever got in one. No one's ever going to see you and pay money to put their ass in the seat. They're going to pay the main event and the people that actually matter in the business and that are wrestlers. But anyway, Jimmy. No, really quickly here, because you mentioned that their fans don't care. And it's funny because uh, when Tony Khan was on Busted Open one episode and and Bully called him out on it on the refereeing issue and his response was, our fans don't care about that. <laughs> and and I'm like, you you got to be kidding me. And ever since Bully called him out on it, uh, he won't go on Busted Open with Bully's on anymore. So uh, just an interesting little fact there. But if, you're, if your boss says he doesn't care about the refereeing situation. Whoa, 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 Jimmy, Jimmy, what? Now, hold on. Give me that dirt again. Tony won't go on Busted Open anymore. No, he will as long as, as, long as Bully's not on when he's on why because he calls him out and asks him for the truth yeah pretty much i guess the bully will tell you that he said it oh tony won't go on when he's on tony pull your skirt up buddy come on (laughs) don't be afraid of the inevitable you're always gonna get questions that you don't want to answer i get them all the time but you know what be like me tell the truth and don't give a fuck it's not gonna affect your wallet and, um, and one one other thing, if I could do this to RJ really quick to get sure. off this subject, because it drives me insane. One other thing is they're they're cramming their 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10 pound bag, not letting things breathe. We had that great uh, serious promo segment with uh, Adam Cole in the back being re- interviewed by Renee. And then you have uh, Darby and, uh, and and no, Adam. Well, OC, Orange Cassidy and Bandito come out. Right. Mm-hmm. And just go, oh. So they do a little gaga comedy segment after a very serious segment. Let the serious segment play. Let the audience mm-hmm. absorb it. Let them buy into what's going on before you hit them with the gaga. You know? Yeah. You're, 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 you're so right, Jimmy, too, because, I, you know, I, there was a, what was the, uh, I can't remember the segment. Uh, and, and it's, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which, which federation, okay, or, or company. But when I watch something in the ring and then it's immediately flipped to some backstage thing where you can't ingest what you just saw, you literally will forget what you just watched. Mm-hmm. You literally will. I do it all the time. And I'm like, wait a minute. Until unless I started, I started taking notes now, believe that or not. I gotta stop that crap. But uh because <laughs> my notes are filthy. If I showed you all my notes, you would shit. But anyway, mm. anyway, uh you're right. We they need to slow things down and let's let's get it all in and yeah. digest it. Mm-hmm. Something we'll digest is this ref review, but coming up next, we'll have the man himself. Mr. Danny Davis will be joining the show. This is your two count. And we're
we're back, guys. We are honored to welcome the man himself to our second count here on Reffin' It Up, Mr. Danny Davis. Hey, thanks for joining the show, man. Really do appreciate yeah, it. Have a little fun. Anything for you and your family, brother. Sorry to hear about days, man. Thank you very much. Amen, brother. He's a great guy. We, we traveled a lot together. You know, we got along sometimes and sometimes we didn't. But most of the time we had some fun. Enjoyed our time together. And he was a great man. And we Thank miss you him. Much, really, we really miss him, man. We miss him. We're losing so many great people, brother. And he's amongst one of the best. Amen. Thank you. Oh, no thanks necessary. It's the truth, man. Now, when you were with um with the company there is 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 Brian's uncle Dave and uh, his dad Earl were they the kind of guys that really got you started with uh, with the company? No, no, I was with the company long before them fucking guys showed up. What, what are you talking? About? <laughs> yeah. They came in when Vince opened up to uh, uh, I don't know when he started taking over everything. I guess he brought Dave in first. And then, of course, Dave went on to be a, a, an agent. And then Earl came in and uh, with, they did that couple things with Dave and Earl. And, uh, you know, it was tough to get in that uh, with Vince, unless you knew somebody, obviously, uh, as a referee, even because we had so many referees. We had Joey Morello, you know, uh, Gino's son, and, uh, mm -hmm. and his friends were there, you know. But, uh, I was, it was a relief to see somebody, you know, knew what they were doing, Dave, Dave and Earl, in the ring. So, you know, I had to give him a few pointers here and there, but, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so Danny, what, when you broke into the business, was the original plan for you to be one of the boys, a wrestler? Uh, was that the, was that the grand scheme? Oh, oh, when I broke into the business, man, I was a, uh, a young kid, about 16, that was putting up rings, you know, and in them days, way back, man, you put up you put up the ring, you put up the chairs, you brought the concessions in, you refereed, you did all that stuff, a very, very minimal truck with all that stuff in it, from point A to point B, they treated you like shit, you know, $30 a night, $50 a night, but if you did all those jobs, you can make a couple bucks, you know, and, uh, we had uh, just this territory here from uh, Maine to, to Pennsylvania, and we didn't go into anybody else's territory any further than that. And uh, we ran little towns in Alton and Massachusetts and New York and Connecticut and et cetera. Uh, that, was be that was before Vince Jr. That was his father, Vince Sr. And uh, I just was happened to be in the right place at the right time, which is the main thing in this business where this guy that was doing the rings and taking the rings around to through this territory was a jerk and an asshole. So Vince Jr. fired him one day at Worcester because he, they caught him stealing or whatever the, the story was. And uh, so I was helping the guy. So Vince uh, Jr. took me in the office and said, look, you want to do the be the uh, ring crew? And, uh, you know, at that point, it was just set up the ring. Uh, standing to the side and waiting for the show to be over and going to the next town, setting the ring up. And then, of course, 
when Vince Jr. took it over, he liked to consolidate things. So we put uh, concessions on it. And I had a family at the time. I was a young kid, about 18. I had one, my son, and uh, I was married. So I went to Maine, Bangor, as a matter of fact. And I said, look, man, I don't mind doing this, this shit. But, uh, uh, you know, I got to make some money. Uh, so he said, well, how about being a referee? And I said, sure, I'll be a referee. And uh, so the next night we were in New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, as, as a point of interest, Howard Finkel, as we all know, uh, one of the, another one we lost, became my friend. And him and I started in the New Haven Coliseum the same night. He's him as an announcer and me as a referee. So that went on. That was something that uh, people probably didn't know. And how and I became close, close friends. And then, of course, the history went on. Vince moved to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, uh, Vince Jr. And, man, he just uh, started taking everything over. Uh, we all moved there to Connecticut, Howard Finkel, myself, et cetera. And, uh, uh, again, I was still just doing the, the, the ring and stuff. Uh, he wanted me to do concessions, so I moved into the concession part of it. And back then, you know, you wanted the, the magazines, you carried them, and they were 8 by 10 black and whites, and, you know, you had them copied and uh, stuff like that. So it was quite a thing. So when you, you earned your money with Vince, as you know. <laughs> mm. So anyway, that's how I got as a referee. And then I, of course, when you hang around with the boys, they take you to the gym, and they, you know, Sometimes Bob, uh, uh, Bob Harmon and Ernie Roth were running the territory here, uh, the Grand Wizard, beautiful Bobby, and they were kind of like uh, uh, not an agent, but they ran the they ran the building, they got the buildings, they got the contracts and shit like that. So I started working for them uh, and pulling the ring around, and uh, uh, that's how I started in that. So it was a it, it was a complicated thing, and then one day these guys took me under their wing. I used to go to the, of course, you rode with them, and we'd go to the gym together. And uh, a guy named Rick McGraw, I don't know if anybody remembers him, mm -hmm. he took me under his wing, and he would take me to Tony Altamore. I don't know if it, maybe that's a, a famous name. Used to run shows on the weekends, matinees. And Rick McGraw and I would go there and work at his shows. And Rick McGraw was teaching me, you know, some moves and stuff like that. And then, of course, Jay Strongbow came into the picture. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing and helped me also. And knew what was going on with Rick and I and, and the other guys. Uh, and one night in New York, we were way up someplace in upstate New York, and it was uh, a snowstorm, an ice storm came in. So a lot of guys couldn't make it. And uh, it's an interesting story because he knew I had been working with Rick McGraw. And so, like I say, the very few guys showed up. So Jay Strombo came up to me, and he said, come here, kid. He said, you're going to work with me tonight. And I was all excited, under a mask, as Mr. X, he said, I want you to listen to me and do exactly the, exactly what I t tell you to do. And above all, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so I said to myself, I didn't say nothing. I said, how the fuck are we going to have a match? Without touching, you know. So every time he would, I would, he would start, we'd line up, you know, how it was. The lock, he'd say, leave. Go under the rope. And I'd leave and come back and get out to the other side. Go out the other side. And then finally put the sleeper on me and that was the end of it. So I learned then, uh, you know, how to uh, work a match without even touching each other. So and it went over, you know. So, and it went on from there. Then we went on to TVs. Under, as Mr. X working with everybody and everybody like you know and they all asked for me to work with me et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. there's a lot of history to that so yeah so one day I was uh, in, in Philadelphia Spectrum and uh, Vince found out because Vince didn't have any idea who I was under that mask and one day he, I got a message from the office to call the office and I said oh boy what the fuck is going on now and they said, you know, under Mr. Rex, we're going to uh, do you, do a thing with you with, uh, as dangerous as Danny David. And so I went to Florida, and that's where we did the, the thing with the uh, the tag belts. And then I came out. Of course, we did three segments then. You didn't see it. The people didn't see it, but we did the three segments. The next segment, I came out with Jimmy, and there you go. That's how it, that's how it developed. But I had no idea that they were going to do that. What I want to know is much as to me as it was to anybody else. What I want to know is how many of these eight by tens you got underneath your bed that you stole. <laughs> oh, I have to. I got a, a storage bin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, anyway. so, so really quickly here, uh, just wanted to throw it in there because when you found out that you were going to do this as the dangerous Danny Davis now joining the Heart Foundation and stuff like that. How did that hit you? Like, well, you weren't different. expecting it. They had the, they had the outfit fit and, and, you know, I said, what the fuck is that? You know, I said, well, what are you going to wear? You know, uh, I didn't like it, but I had these homemade tattoos on my arms at the time. You know, and uh, Vince Jr. hated anybody that had any ink or tattoos on them, especially tattoos you know, that you made yourself. So at that time, I had those tattoos, and he made me wear that fucking cool thing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I hated it. It was so fucking hot to work in and stuff like that. And uh, I tried to get it in a thinner material and stuff like that. But, you know, it was just a, it was the angle. It was the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, when that happened to me, uh, I, I was, you know, well, see, this is a... a and and Earl will tell you, uh, uh, the, he was a how can I say it condescending bastard, and he just did that to see uh, as a as kind of a uh, I would say a rib. When I when it came when it went over and people enjoyed it, you know he was kind of he let it go. So we we ran it you know for four or five years or whatever it was, and and then uh, you know it was the end because back then you came into the business. You knew everybody wanted to get get a push, get a push, get a push, get a push. Well, not a lot of them didn't realize when you get your push, there's going to be an ending to that push real soon. You know, it isn't going to be like it uh, was back in the day. You're going to come in, you're going to get your push, and then you're all done. And a lot of guys couldn't accept that. But Vince had it, so where else, where else would you go? You know, so it was kind of a... Catches, but they made money. 
you know, uh, they made money. That's why they came here. Uh, when Vince Sen Jr. did what he did, them guys never made that kind of money before. You know, they all were millionaires by the time they uh, finished with it. You know, I wasn't, but, you know. <laughs> but, I, again, it was an exciting time. It's something that was done at the right time. It will never be done again. And I know it's been tried. But, uh, you know, this business, always the first time is the best time. I mean, it, it can be duplicated. You make some money with it. But, you know, it was something that has never been done, was never done, I guess, not to that level anyway. And, you know, without Jimmy and, and Jim and Brett, it wouldn't have worked either because they were they were in on it. They were with it, you know, and they helped me a lot, and especially Jimmy Hart, you know. Was, was, there ever time, was there ever a time that you felt like once it was over with the wrestling portion of it, that you were going to be in danger of a job? Or, like, were you worried about that after it was over? No, because uh, I made the decision. They, they put me back as a referee for a while because they talked to me about it. And I said, well, I really want to do that. And the other things happened in my life that, uh, you know, the, the creator uh, works in mysterious ways, as they say. And it worked out for me because I had an opportunity to uh, uh, get my son uh, and raise him. At that point, he was 12, and I fought like hell to get custody of him. And I was one of the first people in my state to be a single parent for a boy and uh, get custody of him. Uh, so that worked out fine for me. I mean, I uh, that's what happened. So I just, you know, I have no, uh, I was glad it was over in that respect because uh, I don't know what would have happened to my son. Because, you know, very well, Danny, the people don't who haven't done the travel, especially back then, don't understand what a taxing travel schedule it was. Not just not just performing the shows, but getting to and from arenas and, and how many days of the year you're on the road and how much you don't really well, get to see your family. That's the guy that's sitting with you. Yeah. Father, ask yeah. him what it's like. With his father yeah. going all the time. You mm -hmm. miss birthdays. You miss the first step. You miss births. You miss, you miss his first day at school. You know, if they have an event or an accolade, something happens good to him, you miss it. You're not there. Christmases, Thanksgiving, holidays, you know. Uh, but it's something that you have to want to do. Uh, and you have to understand that uh, that's a sacrifice that, you have to make, and it's a, it's a terrible sacrifice, but not if you look back on it. Uh, like you said, the traveling was brutal. Like I said, you were, and we drove. And sometimes you couldn't get a hotel or couldn't afford a hotel, you slept in a car. You know, when McDonald's and Burger King came along, Christ, that was a thing for us. You know, back then we could get at least, you know, something to eat. There were guys that would eat uh, puffed rice, and water so it would make them feel full, you know, and then, and still having to do your job and stuff like that. It was a nightmare. You you were home maybe, you know, I would say maybe one month a year, you know, but not all, all at once. But if you could, they give you four days off and you, you spend one day getting there and then one day relaxing and the next day you're going to pack your bag again and be the next morning to be, so you actually get like 
every 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 four weeks or something like that. You know, it was it was tough. But back then, if you didn't make the shot, if you didn't show up, you were done because there was a hundred guys wanting to take your place. You and know, it, that it was even they used to. I'll tell you the story. When you rode with somebody, you gave them fourteen cents a mile. You paid them, hmm. and uh, that went out the window. Used. Years after that, but back then, because they weren't making any money at all, they were making fifty, hundred dollars a night. I mean, uh, but the economy was different, stuff like that. And they didn't have brand new cars, and they didn't have a lot of money. And really, back then, they they earned very little. It wasn't it wasn't the business you see today. You know, and and looking over my show notes, man. You know, being a referee and then turned to a wrestler, kind of thing. Looking at the the things that you you did and, and and the people you work with were, I mean, phenomenal. I mean, no one can yeah, say that. That's what they did to me. They didn't build me up. They didn't take me and build me up. They threw me in with guys like Jake Roberts, uh, all all the top stars. I mean, I went with them all. Uh, and you know, again, I I have a you know, uh, Pat Patterson had a lot to. Uh, uh, Booking, booking me with a lot of those guys. But those guys took care of me. I mean, you know, they could have uh, uh, beat the pulp out of me, you know, but they didn't. They took care of me because they understood that if they worked with me, they were going to make some money. And I understood if I was them, I was going to make some money. So and back at that time, if you uh, crossed Vince or crossed, uh, hurt somebody in the ring, they wouldn't use you anymore, you know? Because there's a hundred guys that will work with you, you know. So they did. And uh, uh, Ed Steele uh, and I went around and around and around. And uh, uh, he was one of the greatest guys uh, to work with. Believe it or not, uh, he was. Uh, uh, Jim Myers taught me so much, and uh, he wanted to work with me, and uh, and I wanted him to work with me because. You know, he's just used to tell me, just listen, just listen, and I'll have, and we'll, we'll have a good match. And uh, if I hadn't listened, then he wouldn't want to work with me. But that's all it was back then. And then, of course, he retired soon after that, but he wanted to give something to somebody before he left, I guess. I saw him years later at a convention, and him and I sat down. We must have talked for three hours. You know, it's, wow. another wow, one nice. gone, you know. No, you're right. He 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 was a great man and and uh, <clears throat> someone you can learn a, a lot guy. from. You know what a crowbar is? Mm-hmm. He was a crowbar man. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> so so you phased yourself. You, you ended up going back into putting on the referee shirt. And uh, there's one thing you did too I, in yeah. your career is. I remember the the late great Timmy White, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Congrats oh. to him! All the best. He he used to travel with Andre and make sure he was good. But I remember yeah, one time. Yes, exactly. That's where I was going with this because I remember one time here in Toronto. You know, uh, you know Jack Tunney gives me the keys to his Cadillac. Says uh, Timmy's not with Andre. Danny's traveling with him this week. Uh, yeah. Can you go up to the Marriott and pick him up? So I come to the Marriott. Yeah. I'm t- telling a long story here. Uh, but I call up to your room and I said, yeah, it's Jimmy Corderas. I'm here to pick you and Andre up. I called his room. There's nobody there. And you said, did you look in the bar? <laughs> and I said, I will go look. And you yeah. said, I'll be down in a few minutes. Uh, I'll, I'll meet you guys there. 
So I go to the bar and Andre's there and he goes, Hey boss, come sit down. And you don't say no to Andre when he offers you a drink. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a couple yeah. and you came down and you looked at me and you said, are you okay to drive? And I said, and, and again, disclaimer here, I don't recommend anybody do this, but I said, <laughs> if you pull up to the building and I'm not driving the car, I'm done. You know, yeah. so you sat up front with me, you made sure I was okay. You kind of took care of me down to the building and uh, uh, I appreciate you looking after me. Let's put it that way. Well, I, I haven't seen you in a long time. and uh, uh, But I, I remember traveling with Andre. We, I traveled with him for about four or five years. Uh, uh, he was a hell of a guy, you know, I mean. And Timmy, Timmy White. Now, let me tell you a story about him. One day we were in uh, Providence, Sixer, right? And uh, I was in the, down, I had just gotten there, and I was in the back there. And it's Timmy White's father came. And I knew who he was, but he didn't know who I was, see. So, you know, I'm I'm being me. I'm saying, what the fuck do you want? And he goes, What? I said, What the fuck are you want? Who are you? He said, I'm with Tim White's father. I said, I don't give a fuck who you are. Fuck you and Tim White. I said, get the fuck out of here. So he got fucking mad, you know. So Tim White, I see Tim White coming down the hall, you know. So I said, Timmy White came out and I said, uh, his father said, you know this fucking guy? And he said, yeah, that's Danny. He said, he's trying to throw me the fuck out of here. I told him next. So Timmy White. <laughs> and I started talking. <laughs> <laughs> his father's veins were sticking out. And, and Tim White told that fucking story till the day he passed. God bless his soul. His father was so fucking mad. I, you, I'll, my, my son will throw you the fuck out. You know, he was just but then he followed. And after that, he invited me to his house and we used to have dinner together and stuff like that. And so there are some good stories in the, in the life of a wrestler, you know. Hey, so so going back to when, you know, the Danny, Dave, uh, sorry, the dangerous Danny Davis persona went away. Um, yeah. Talk to me about this. Was this the direction that they wanted and you wanted? And how did you feel about it when you went back to being just Danny Davis, the Prohibitionary reference. I just told you. I, I didn't stay long. They came to me and said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I really don't want to go back to being a referee. And so uh, one day at TV, Vince being Vince, said, look, we need you to be a referee. And I, you know, so trying to get me to do it. And then finally, I just, you know, I don't know how long it was that I told them, I said, I, I'm not going to do this. You know, because of the story I just told my son. And uh, he said, well, how about if you do this? How about if you do that? And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. And uh, he got really pissed at me uh, uh, about that, that I just wanted to leave. And, uh, but I left. And that's it. And, we're, and in fact, it was right here in Southern Service. No, we were overseas. We were in, we were in the Middle East. And uh, I said, this is it. I'm, I'm not, uh, not going to do that. I called him up. And he said, well, come to the office. I'm going to get back to the States. And while well, I had a court appointment for my son, I went up to New Hampshire where I was living. And I went to the court instead. So I, he didn't call me. But I called me and said, you know what? Tomorrow or next whatever it was, he said, we're not going to have you back. I said, well, I'm not coming. So he, he said, well, you know, that means that you're going to get fired. I said, I don't care. 
and that's what happened. They never went back. So, and <laughs> well, that's what I, I made the decision. You know, when it's over, it's over. You know, I mean, I was in that business since I was seventeen, and I get out of it when I was in what forties. I mean, that's a long time. Wow. That 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 that's called balls of steel, right there, sir. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Now let me just say this to you guys: I couldn't see myself as an agent. I went to a show maybe oh five ten years after. In fact, I see these guys at at, at uh, uh, these conventions, and they're still there as agents and stuff like that. Brother, I, I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. Uh, I couldn't see myself as an agent. I couldn't see myself traveling, being a, an older person and putting up with, with, with what they put up with. From what I understand, it's pretty rough being an agent over there. So I couldn't see myself being there that, that long. I had other things in my life I wanted to do, which I've done, you know. I've written books. I've, uh, you know, I, I, became, I, was a, I, I was a truck driver. I was in, uh, I got licenses to operate heavy equipment. I used to work in Boston laying sewer and water. I was home every night. You know, I was earning great money, even as much money as I was making wrestling. And, and I had time for my, my family and stuff like that. So, nice. yeah, I have no regrets. Good. Uh, curious, though, since you've left, uh, do you still pay attention to today's product or is it? I, I'm going to tell you a story, another story. I watched it once and I said, what the? I didn't like it at all. So I, I can't about a year later, I was with somebody and I went to the house and they were watching it. And they were the same fucking guys like two years later with different, different personas. And I said, <laughs> what the fucking guy? I said, what the fuck is going on? And this kid told me that this guy's had like three or four personas and, uh, you know, and shit like that. But I did watch it like a month ago and I, I kind of enjoyed it because they're going back to old school wrestling kind of. And I, I enjoyed it. I think that was the most I enjoyed it the last time I saw it. But uh, I don't watch it. I don't follow it. I think that uh, it hasn't got the uh, attentive uh, attention thing. I don't, I, don't, I don't, maybe it's because I was there in my time and I see that it's, it's so, it's so bad now. I mean, it's all been exposed anyway. And you got to give them credit for, you know, getting it over. But I, I understand that the ratings are always down. Uh, nobody, people laugh at them now. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a shame. And I have a theory on that, too. I have a theory that Vince, as old as he is, did what he had to do to it, trying to destroy it so nobody else will make any money. That's an awful thing to say, but I think that's the truth. Hmm. Wow. So you mentioned a lot of the gentlemen that you worked with, uh, with Randy Savage, Jake, Jake Roberts. Um, but I wanted to see how you liked or didn't like it's up to whatever way you want to put, spin it, but working with Roddy Piper back in the day. Oh, come on. Come on. Let me tell you something. When I was a kid and I used to read about these guys and watch, you know, Roddy, Pipers and all these guys, and you know, when you get, I worked with Bruno Martino, I worked with all of you know, 
those, those were my heroes, you know, when I was a kid growing up, and there I am in the ring with them. You know, uh, you know, it's it's a feeling that you just don't, uh, I don't know, you can't explain. Uh, and that for them to show you the respect to actually work with you and, and help you, it's a, it's a great thing. I mean, uh, Roddy Piper, oh. He was kind of he was a, kind of like a street kid like me, and uh, you know he had his ways, and I I liked him. Him and I got along famously. In fact, his son was in MMA there, and we talked many times about his son, you know, doing that. And, uh, yeah, and he's another good guy that's gone, you know. But he lived his life, and he came up from. He used to put up rings and, and referee and all that shit back way back when. I don't know if anybody knows that. But he used to do the same thing. That's how he came up in the business. So, so Danny, here's what we're going to do. Because I have a question for you, but I want to save it. So we're going to go to our third count, which is our break spot. And we're going to be right back. And we're going to do some fan questions and some of our own questions on our own panel. And we'll do that when we come back to our third count. This is your three count. And we are back with our third count of this episode with Danny Davis. Dangerous Danny Davis. How dare I? Uh, our, first, <laughs> our first listener question comes from WWE Master 2018. Uh, he wants to know if you have any funny stories of WrestleMania 3 in the Pontiac Silverdome. Well, there was nothing funny about that, man. That was the biggest. Uh, event that anybody was involved in, in my, as far as I know, and man, you were dead serious that day. Everybody was serious. It was a different, uh, uh, it was a big difference in the dressing room, getting there and everything else. I mean, the buildup was so, so uh, phenomenal and huge that very few people were joking. Even Andre didn't, didn't joke around too much, uh, which is an unusual no, it was a dead series. There's no funny stories there. No, that, not that I know of. I mean, somebody might have some. But uh, you you have to put it in perspective. I was uh, just, that was like three, what, a month after I was put in as Dangerous Danny Davis. And, mm-hmm. and at the, uh, an event like that, and being a uh, uh, semi-main event with, how can you, <laughs> there's nothing there. There's nothing funny about that, man. It, that was, and, and to be successful there, I mean, to be put over. And in, in, in an environment like that, there's no, 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 there was no, no, no funny stories there that I could, that I know. Mm. I mean, there might have been people who <laughs> had some. Yeah. But I was dead serious, man. I was, you know, I, I, here, here, here I was not six months ago, a referee, and now I'm in one of the, the biggest event of that time, you know, in a semi-main event. Yeah. Cool. Think about it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool thing to work for. And no, I get no. that question all the time. What was it like? But you can't explain that, man. Mm-hmm. No. No. So, Danny, so Danny uh, overall, are you taking you notes? yourself a referee or a wrestler? I know you did both. But truly, which one are you? What are you? Danny Davis. No, I just, I'm just me, man. I could do I just... <laughs> I, I just try to prove to, I guess it, who would I be? I don't know. I, I guess 50, half of me would be Dangerous Danny Davis, the other half would be Danny Davis. 
because I have such great memories as a referee and working with your father and your uncle and Joey Morellas and everybody else that was, you know, involved in that. And then the referee, because even when I was a wrestler, I would go back with the guys and play cribbage with them and play, you know, these, with the with the ring announcers and all that shit. I, I still kept my friendship with them. Uh, it just, yeah, it would have to be 50-50. I mean, I, I, I can be... Uh, I can be dangerous Danny Davis or I can be Danny Davis, but I guess uh, I, I have to be grateful for one to have done the other because without being a referee, I would have never been dangerous Danny Davis at, at all. So uh, that's a great question. I, no one's ever asked me that. And uh, I think that's the best answer I can come up with off the top of my head because you know me. You know, it's, called, it's called the turnbuckle blues. You know, you get a little horror sometimes. <laughs> but that's a great question. I, 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 that's a good question. But 50 50, I'll say. How's that? All right. I got, I got one little question for you. It's it's a little bit of an odd one. Uh, well, being a, you, a, 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 a few odd questions, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just coming co coming from as as a, as a brother in striped shirts I, I i always felt that referees should not bump but like the boys shit. <laughs> but but uh, with regards to i remember you no, no. I remember one at WrestleMania four. I I took a bump from Jimmy Hart. He hit me with the megaphone in the match, and yeah. I ended up knocking myself out because I put my hands down and my chin hit the canvas. And you were one of the refs that came out to get me. And when I watched it back, you had me hooked by the belt loop, and you were yanking up. And when you got to the back, I I kind of came to, and you were giving me heck because you thought I was intentionally dead weighting yeah. you, and I wasn't. I was. Yeah. I, <laughs> it was, uh, but uh, yeah, anyways, yeah. going back to my question here, when you what did I just say? You shouldn't have even been. But when you bumped as a referee yeah. and then you you transitioned into being uh, dangerous, Danny Davis as a did you find you you know you needed to bump differently than everybody else? If you uh, understand yeah, my question, yeah, Mister Mr. X, if you watch the Mister X thing, I was just a run in the mill. Jabba, working and doing the bumps like everybody else, you know. So <laughs> Jimmy and I kind of, you know, the awkwardness, the inexperienced shit. And I, I got that from a lot of guys, you know. They, and, you know, they said, we're not trying to, but you, it's your gimmick, you know. When you take a bump, kind of flop around, don't, you know. And, and uh, but if you watch the Mr. X things, you know, you know how to, I knew how to, but I just, when it was the Danny Davis thing, that was the whole idea that I was a big mouth, a loud mouth, you know, mm -hmm. and I go around like a rag doll and shit like that. Yeah. And, uh, so basically, remember, remember George? Remember, this is relevant. You remember George Steele had that doll mine? Yes. The doll, when we used to go to spot shows, he would, he would, I, he'd take a bump for me outside and I'd go get the doll. And I would work with the doll. I'd slam it. I'd drop elbows on it. I'd drop legs on it. I'd shoot <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. So, yeah, it was just, you know, 
having fun. That's all. We were just having fun. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it was an awesome time in the business. There will never be another time like it. And the people that were involved, man, uh, you know, and that's why 40 years or 30 some odd years later, people still want to see us. And when we mm -hmm. go to conventions, they, they, they ask me questions about shit I've forgotten about. Where did Hebner go? Uh, eh, there he is. There he is. Uh, there he is. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I had to get a, his cooler I, was empty. <laughs> I had to get a damn beer. Relax. <laughs> Oh yeah. man! All right. So our our next question comes from our loyal listener, Pondwater Dave. He wants to know: Did you ever worry that you couldn't ref after you were the heel ref? No, uh, it's a work, you know. <laughs> sure, it's simple. Anyone, point, yeah. Anyone could see the light eventually. Yeah. Yeah, you know, blind hog get an acorn, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, you turn you turn from baby face to heel, you can turn from heel to baby face. Okay. Just... Well, yeah. yeah. When you were when you were going from being a uh, a ref to a wrestler, did you get any backlash from the boys or were they supportive of you? I mean, uh, listen to this conversation. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I, it works. They 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 were just as and I was a little surprised too that when they worked with me, they you know they were great. No, no, nothing at all. No, no. Uh, you know you could see that back then everybody was competing for a spot, as you know, and uh, but they knew, you know, that when they were working with me, what it was going to be, uh, they were just going to. Kick the shit out of me. I kicked the shit out of them. We go home. You know, I mean, there was no, there was no anger or anything to any of it. You know, uh, there was an anger with George because I hit him with a bell. And Tito Santana, he worked with me. You know, uh, we we worked in uh, San Diego. I think it was. We sold out that building twice, two night, two shows in a row. I hit him. You know, it was back then. It was done. It was done right. Yeah, what it does today, today, you know, the the, the, the uh, angles over in what a week, you know, the angles ran back then, even for years. You know, I went out with Coco there for what two or three years for Christ's sake, and <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we were, I mean, every night, you know, uh, it was for years we just ran the angle. Today, what is it, two or three weeks or one? Between between uh, pay per views, that's all it runs, and then it's over. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot different. It was a lot different. And before that, the the, the feuds used to go on for years because there was no cable. It was just local TVs and stuff like that. There was no internet stuff like that. Like when Bruno's right. day, you know, forty years he's been working. He, <laughs> that angle he did with what's his name there still going on. No, but anyway. Mm. Yeah, it was a little, no, I never had any backlash at all. All right. Except for the referee, Earl Hebner. and Dave Hebner, they were always busting my balls. Yeah. <laughs> all right, the last question I have uh, for you is uh, comes from Anthony Pyrus. He said, can you confirm that you being the referee uh, for the Tito Santana, Randy Savage, IC title switch was just a very happy accident? 
That'd be accident. No, it was an accident. It's a work. It's a work. What the fuck are they talking about? Uh, who, who knows what they were talking about and who actually cares? Sorry, Anthony Piggs. Fires, whatever. Well, well, well no. Back then it was... Uh, it, it, <laughs> we used to call it a work, you know. <laughs> uh, it was, but if that was his perception of it, then what we did was exactly what he was supposed to feel and not know whether it was a work or not. That's how it was supposed to go. There you go. And it's just like the Danny Davis thing and everybody else that was doing it back then. People come up to me and say, why were you such an asshole? You're such a nice guy. And all that shit. <laughs> you know, oh, you know yeah. not that often, but once in a while, I said, man, I said, did you hate me? She said, I fucking hated you, man. I feel my father used to sit there and say, that motherfucker, I'm, I'm glad he's getting his ass <laughs> <laughs> Then I get my, my job is I did my job and that's what you were supposed to feel. That's how you were supposed to react. Mm-hmm. So so Danny, last one before we close shop. All right. How did Mr. X originate? I told you I, I told you this, I'll tell you again. When I was as a referee, I started hanging around with these guys and uh they took me under their wing and, and used to uh, Rick McGraw took me under his wing and he used to Take me to the gym, and then we would work with Tony Altamore's shows uh, in the afternoons on weekends together, and he showed me how to work. And then one day he brought me to TV up in Poughkeepsie, and they put me on, you know, as a jobber, and I walked in with a mask, and I walked out with a mask, and nobody knew who I was. No clock. The guys in the dressing room did, and I took my mask off. Uh, but uh, that's how Mr. X... Became. I started working at the TVs, and I, I was a good worker, so guys wanted to work with me to put them over. They would ask for me. They said, can I work with Mr. X? Da, 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 da. And that's how it worked back then. If you were a slug, they didn't want to be with you. They'd say, no, I want to work with him. I want to work with him. And, and, they, and then one day, Bruno San Martino asked to work with, with his son. It was, a, it was a tag match, me and Steve Lombardi against him and his son. In Poughkeepsie on TV, so you, and after that, Carl Blanche he came back and he shook my hand and says, "We need a hundred more guys like you." So that's a true story, in front of Vince. Wow. And uh, mm-hmm. so after that, you know, there's Mr. X getting booked at the at uh, you know getting a what do they call it a, a booking sheet and everything else. So that was that was the beginning of Mr. X. Awesome! Wow! Wow! So with um. All that being said, before we close shop here, is there anything that you want to plug? You want to plug your book? You want to plug your any of your appearances coming up? Anything? Well, I got a book, as you know. Uh, it's been out for a while, but it's, it's still, uh, it's Mr. X, the life story of Danny Davis. You know, got me, Brett, the, the, uh, the uh, Hot Foundation on the back. And it's it's not a biography of, of my uh, wrestling career. It's a biography of my life and uh, things that happened to me before I became a wrestler, how I became a wrestler, uh, how I became a referee, and how I ended. So it's a great book. It's an inspiration to anybody who reads it, uh, young or old. And uh, it's a great book. And you can get it at dangerousdannydavis.com. And I got 
Now, Mr. X Max there, and I have other items, pictures, and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, if you want to plug that, that's a good thing. You showing you you'll be showing up anywhere for any appearances or anything like that you want to put out? Uh, 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 no, I don't have anything right now. I keep putting them off because <laughs> I, 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 you know, I just don't want to travel them. No these guys don't want to. They want they want me to drive. The last guy wanted me to drive from here to Long Island and get there at noon, do the thing, and then drive all the way back. I said, yeah, they, I said, well, put me up. You know, send, bring me up. Now they don't. I said, fuck it. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do that. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Right. Uh, you know, you know, I really don't. I don't really. Oh. Oh. All right. So that was, uh, man, Danny Davis, man. That was great to mm -hmm. have him on. Uh, one of those guys that uh, will, you know, go down in history as one of the great guys in the business. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, I appreciate you show back you up. Oh, 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 there he is. There he is. Yeah. You talk about someone who's done it all yeah. in his business. The dangerous Danny Davis has done it all. Yeah, well, I have from, from putting up rings and chairs to, you know, being a, on one of the biggest events ever in history of wrestling. So who could ask for more than that? But the You're fact exactly that right, I've wrestling, and that's something, like, something that people like these kids today, and I, I did a little speech for uh, at a wrestling event not too long ago, and I said, you know, always have something for after wrestling because mm – -hmm you'll never regret having something to go to, you know, and that's yeah. what people don't, they think it's going to, they're young, they're full of piss and vinegar. They think it's going to last forever. And then something yeah. happens and they don't do it. They don't have any, any, any other uh, way of making a living. And they usually end up, you know, in the poorhouse. So always have a backup. Mm -hmm. And that's the advice I would give anybody that wants to be a wrestler. I hear you. Well said, well said, Danny. And look, listen, we really do appreciate you being on here. I'm sorry, Sister Worry Wart. They said when they mentioned your name, I said, "Ah, that fucking guy." No. <laughs> <laughs> but any, anytime, anytime, man, it's so good to see you. Say hi to Earl for me. Give your dad a big hug for me, eh? I will do that, buddy. And we really do appreciate you being on the show. And this man is here, Billy Davis said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Danny. Very much appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for being on, buddy. I really do appreciate it. All right, guys. All right, Thank you. necessary, all right? Gentlemen, like we talked about it, Danny Davis is one of those guys that if he's at a convention and you're there, I highly suggest, and you guys can back me up on this, you better go over there and talk to him because you could talk. Like, like, like tonight we talked mm -hmm. to him forever. It seemed like, but it was such great information we got from him. Absolutely. There's, you talk about someone who's done it all in this industry from setting up the rings and doing concessions and putting up chairs and blah, blah, to, to refereeing and actually re wrestling at a WrestleMania, man, done it all. It's crazy, man, to think about that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're a referee. You walk into the business and you're a referee. You and I mean, but you start with setting rings up, setting chairs up, working concession stands, working the merch stand, and then ultimately becoming a wrestler in the biggest federation in the world and being on the WrestleMania three lineup and actually working the show. 
really, really, really crazy and something that I guarantee you there is nobody at this point that's going to be able to tell you that. I would bet, venture to bet and say that I guarantee nobody wants to we'll have that story either. So, wow, just really cool to listen to them. But, man, good stuff, man. What do we got next week, RJ? Well, next week, uh, we're going to be bringing on uh, Mr. Kenny Casanova, a gentleman that uh, we talked about last week, um, writing books for everybody, pretty much. You know, we had uh, him on with, or excuse me, we had uh, Ken Patera on. Uh, uh, He was the author for his book. He's writing the book for your dad, uh, Brian. Um, So it would be good just to kind of pick his brain because, your dad and Ken are the two guys that he's written books for uh, and probably won't write books for. I'm sure he's got a lot of, a lot of insight into the business uh, from the author's point of view. Uh, and it'd be great to pick his brain about that. I actually am really excited about this. And I'll tell you reasons why, because to write books for guys like Earl Hebner, Danny Davis, Ken Patera, um, and there's more that I'm not going to put out there right now. But can you imagine the historian he is? You know, we all jokingly say the guy knows more than we actually know when he writes a book for you. And, and it's the truth. And, and I just can't wait to, like, peck this guy's brain and find out what a wrestling nerd he really is, which is not a knock. It's actually really cool to know that someone cares that much about the business and is able to compile a book of hundreds of pages and put it out there and to dig in his brain is going to be really, really fun. And I think interesting for, for listeners as well, too. So really looking forward to that one for me. Yeah. My, my, me too as well. And for all those reasons that you just stated, Brian, uh, because like you said, someone who has a knowledge uh, and for me, I've forgotten more than I remember. Let's put it that way throughout the years. And uh, as a, as a huge fan growing up and as a huge fan while I was working and as a huge fan after working in the industry, I'm still associated with it in a, in some form or fashion, like here. <laughs> but uh, right, you know, right. it's gonna it's gonna be awesome to hear some of his stories because he, I'm sure he's got some incredible, incredible stories to tell. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, two other guys that uh, are part of this team that have been doing awesome work. Uh, first and foremost, JD Hoop, who keeps. You watch a lot of NXT, watch a lot of WWE. You're going to see his gear designs. You're going to see a lot of his graphics. You're going to see basically everything he's doing. I actually messaged him the other day. The gentleman is on vacation. He, I'm like, dude, you deserve a vacation. Take time for yourself. Don't think about everything, anything else. Um, but make, make, make sure everything's on time. I'm, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Um, but without JD, um, obviously the show wouldn't be where it is. Um, his artwork pretty much puts us... Puts us over as best as it can, uh, as well as uh, AJ McKay, too. Just I can't tell you how many times somebody comes up to me and that listens to the show and just tells me how how much they enjoy uh, the theme songs um, going right. in and out of the, the of the show and uh, just fan, fantastic. Um, yeah. Thank you, AJ and JD. Awesome yeah. job, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. You know, I, something else that's been fantastic is seeing Jimmy's ref and rants. I, every day, man, it's, it, I, I get kind of disappointed when you put out uh, 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 messages and posts and tweets and what have you that, oh, no, 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 uh, ref and rant. I'm like, oh, come on. It's like, it's, it's like that routine. I hear you, but uh, something came up I had to take care of. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, this past Monday, I didn't get to do the rant, but uh, 
going forward, Monday to Fridays, as, as best I can, unless something unforeseen comes up, uh, you will see me ref and rant. And on Mondays and Wednesday nights, you can catch me on Wrestling Inc. after Raw on Mondays, after uh, Dynamite on, on Wednesdays. And of course, Wednesdays here with, with you guys, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, then, the only thing I'll say to you is this. You need to be more stiff on these ref and rants. I need you to be the <laughs> I need you to be an animal. I need you to be an animal and rip these motherfuckers apart. Uh, <laughs> I, I I kill them with kindness. <laughs> yeah, but you're killing me with kindness. Oh, uh, sorry, bro. <laughs> no, that's your gimmick. I can't steal your gimmick. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't think anybody wants my gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, anyway. sure there's a, I'm sure there's a few people out there, Brian. Yeah, I know. And I'm sure he's liked very well. But anyway, uh, for me, you can catch me at Baby Hebner and at Baby Hebner on both my social medias, which is Twitter and Instagram. Other than that, we are one, two, three out, guys. See ya next week with Kenny Casanova. 